on Who Cares About Men's Health, we often bring up this thing called turning points. Those are those moments in your life that can change your paradigm about your health. And sometimes they're small, little insignificant things that have big repercussions. They really change your opinion. And sometimes they're major events. And they also can have a big impact on how you think about your health and yourself. Today, we're going to talk to Wall and the lessons he's learned from his experience with kidney cancer. This is another episode in the series of men talking to men about their health on who cares about men's health, information, inspiration, and a different interpretation of men's health. My name is Scott Singpill. I bring the BS and the MD to counter my BS, Dr. Troy Madsen. Hey, Scott. Great to be here. And I'm excited to talk to Wall. And he's a who cares about men's health convert. Producer Mitch is on the show. Hey there. Happy to be here. And sharing his story today is Wall Ozello. Wall, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for having me. You know, I, I love what you guys do here. I think as, as guys, we talk so much about fixing things, right? We talk about, you know, fixing our sports teams. We talk about fixing cars, <laughs> fixing our house, but we never talk about fixing ourselves, right? And right. so that's what I love about this podcast is it allows us to talk about fixing ourselves, which is probably the most important thing to fix, right? Right. <laughs> and learn those lessons from each other. And that was my first question, because I remember when I first met you, you were like really jazzed on the mission of this podcast, which was just men talking about health issues. And I was going to ask you why. And you just brilliantly explained <laughs> why right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, listen, we don't, we don't talk as guys. We don't communicate to each other. We hold everything in. Uh, you know, we don't tell our wives about our problems because, you know, we don't want to burden them. We don't tell our kids and, you know, we just don't talk to each other. And, and it's important to get this stuff out and realize that other guys are going through the same exact stuff we are and we can all help each other and relate. Yeah. And that's why you're on the show today, because I mean, you went through a major health issue and I think, you know, we can learn from that without hopefully, you know, needing to go through it ourselves. It seems like sometimes us guys, it takes a big slap across the face to, to make some <laughs> yeah. simple realizations, right. yeah. doesn't it? Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a pretty, pretty major one. Um, so would you say your experience fundamentally changed how you think about your health or your life or anything? You know, um, in a weird kind of way, no. You know, I, I, I've always been concerned about my health. I've always been um, going to the doctor when I should. Right. And 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 so, you know, uh, about two years ago, um, you know, I come home from a friend's house and um and I, I I go to the bathroom you know before the end of the night and um and blood comes out pure blood pure pure and not like tainted not like not like uh, uh just we're talking pure red blood <sighs> and um it, it it's it scared me, you know, cause your, your whole life as a guy, you're looking down, you're looking down in the toilet when you go and, you know, it's either, you know, a, a little yellow or a little amber or, or clear. And this is pure red blood. Right. So, and, so and no, doubt, no doubt. It wasn't like you drank your kid's red Kool-Aid. You had some beets for dinner. This is blood. Yeah. Yeah. This was pure blood. So, you know, I, I, I did the very non-guy thing and I, and I seeked out care immediately because I knew this was something serious. I knew, uh, I, I knew this was more than, than just a passing thing, right? What so, was your first sign? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you weren't having any pain with that. It was just straight up blood. Exactly. No pain, no pain whatsoever. So I knew I had, a, uh, you know, I had a guess it wasn't kidney stones and 
I, I knew it was it, it was something serious. So you know, I I got some testing done with my um my PCP and and uh, got a CAT scan done and and um and yeah. Okay, so so hold up, you went to your PCP. You didn't go to the emergency room immediately. No, no, I didn't because I knew I could get a hold of my PCP quick, and I knew you know it wasn't mm-hmm. pain involved. So okay, um, yeah. All right, all right. Because I mean, tr- I don't know about you, Mitch, but if I'm peeing blood, I think. <laughs> oh yeah. Like there are few yeah, reasons to the emergency room. I think I would go to the emergency room for that. But so Tr- Troy, is it okay if you can get in with your PCP quickly? If you're peeing blood, is that all right? Or should you go to the emergency room? You know, that's a, it's a tough question. And I always put myself in the position of when my family members call me, because when they call me, they always want me to say, oh, you don't need to go to the ER. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if Wall had called me and said, I'm peeing bright red blood, I would have probably said, okay, how soon can you see your PCP? And do you think you could get a CT scan done here within the next day or two? And if he had said yes, I would say that's great. So even the next day or two, to me, that sounds like an immediate thing. If he were lightheaded, if he felt like he was going to pass out, if he was having bleeding anywhere else, like from his gums, um, you know, coughing up blood, blood in his stool, things like that, I would say you need to go to the ER right now. Okay. In his case, I'm thinking this sounds like kidney cancer. I don't think it's a kidney stone because there's there's just no pain. But I think you need a, a timely CT scan, maybe not immediately, uh, but it really should happen hopefully within the next couple of days. And, you know, for the average person, that may not be practical. You may not get in to see your PCP. And quite honestly, for the average person, if you reached out to your PCP and you said, I'm peeing bright red blood, they would say, go to the ER. So so they would probably be sending you there. It sounds like in Wall's case, he was able to get all that stuff done pretty quickly, which is great. All right. Yeah, I was in, I was in for testing immediately. Okay. Okay. That I was in for a urine analysis the, the very next day. Yeah. Um, and, um, and the urine analysis didn't show anything. Um, so next step was getting a CT scan. Um, well, let me, and, let me, uh, let me, let ahead. me ask. I'm guessing it showed blood. It didn't show any blood in the urine after that. Oh, wow. Um, so it was just kind of off and on. It, it, it was, it was very much off and on. Wow. And, and, um, and, and so I go for like days and it would be clear, nothing. Wow, and wow. then, um, and then shooting pure, pure blood. And at one point I started passing blood clots as well. Oh my gosh. I, we, we should have, we needed to put a warning at the beginning of this. Yeah. Yeah. Why did we? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you've, if you've never felt that, it's kind of like, feels like small pieces of jello going uh. through you. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad uh, you went to the doctor though. Cause that's yeah, just that, it. Is it's yeah. like, if the next part of the story was, so I, it didn't hurt. So I kept going it like, uh. yeah. no, no, no. We went to the doctor. Eventually. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, I, I, I got a, uh, I got a CT scan. Um, and I remember walking out of the CT scan, joking to the technician and going, my, both my kidneys are there. Right. And, yeah. and she kind of like, you know, gets a little apprehensive and she's like, well, they're going to call you with the results. Right? Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, no. oh my goodness. That's not good. Right. Yeah. And so, so, um, my, my PCP calls me with the test results and I just happened to be working from home that day. Um, and I'm like, Hey, do I need to get my wife on this call? He's like, yes. Oh, and, geez. and so, you know, I put my wife on speakerphone and he told me, um, I had a tumor, uh, seven centimeters by seven centimeters by five centimeters in my left kidney. Wow. So think about the size of a Crayola crayon. That's seven centimeters. 
the um, length. Yeah. That's, length of a, that's yeah. a big tumor. Yeah. So it was, it was, you know, and Dr. Tori, you can probably confirm this. It was basically the size of my kidney. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. Um, and, and my, my kidney, when they removed it was two pounds, it was a full two pounds. Wow. Um, what do they normally weigh? What is it? What is it like a, a pound? Right. Uh, you know, I've never weighed uh, a kidney, so I don't have a good answer there. <laughs> it's not a difficult like. <laughs> I usually, I, I usually try to keep organs in people, but uh, so, good call, good call. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I that sounds yeah, just the size of that kidney. Having seen some kidney tumors over the course of my career, particularly with ultrasounds, um, that's a big tumor. So yeah, all right. Yeah. Hey, um, Troy, I, I want to interrupt Wall here for a second. So wh why, when you have a kidney tumor, are you peeing blood off and on? What's going on there? Uh, well, it gets to the point. So you've got the kidney and then you've got the area that kind of filters everything out of the blood. And then it goes into the collecting system and the urine. So basically, you don't really know you have that tumor until it gets big enough where it's invading the blood vessels and working its way down into where the urine collects. So oftentimes, the first sign of kidney cancer is blood in your urine. And so Wall probably had that kidney for quite a while. I don't know how long, months for sure, just getting larger and larger. And quite honestly, it's just lucky it got big enough and it went the right direction where it was showing signs of blood in the urine. Some oh. people don't have that sign uh, and they don't know until it's metastasized. So essentially that's what happens though. And it doesn't hurt. That's why he didn't have pain. It's not pushing on nerves, not doing anything else. So it's not causing pain in the kidney, but generally kidney cancer, the first sign is blood in the urine. And Walt, so you get the news, your wife's there with you. You're, you're, you're told that you have a kidney tumor at that point. What was going through your mind? How did you react? So, so with me, it's always what's next. Right. And at, at this point, I already had an appointment set up with uh, a urologist and I was actually seeing the urologist. I think the following I got the news on a Friday. I think I was seeing the urologist on Tuesday. So with me, it's always what next? What do we got to do? And you're a big so let's solve this problem. Let's solve it. Let's <laughs> yeah. solve that it, makes you right? that makes you feel better. Yeah. yeah. It's taking so, steps. OK, so. Uh, and, and listen, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? And probably at the time I was freaking out, <laughs> but yeah. like, yeah. you know, what the story yeah. today is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we go in for that appointment on Tuesday. My wife went with me, and and um, uh, and we went over the CT scan, and and she said, "Yeah, you know, normally with the, with with a kidney cancer like this, they just remove the organ, um, and there's no chemo, there's no radiation associated with it." But the urologist wanted to check out other things. She wanted to make sure that there was no sign in the bladder or uh, anywhere else in, in the urinary system. So she's like, we got to get you a cystoscopy. What it was, I can't even pronounce it. Cystoscopy? Yes. Oh, right? I had a few of those. It's right. Yeah. Okay. So that's a word that only the people that have gotten them yeah. know. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So, so you know what a colonoscopy is. Mm -hmm. You know what an endoscopy is. Mm -hmm. What's left? Right. So what does, what does cysto mean, Troy? Well, cysto means bladder, but to get to the bladder, you got to okay. find an entry point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's right. only one way in. Okay. So, Yeah. And, you know, they, they numb you, mm -hmm. but they don't warn you that it burns after, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and it, you know, it, it was, 
it it was it was strange, right? The only the first the first woman to touch me uh, uh, down there in over wow. 20, 25 wow. years, and my <laughs> wife, right, is, is 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 my doctor, right? A female doctor, no less. And yeah, so yeah. Um, it was just uh, it was weird. And there was a scope and a monitor, and I could watch the whole thing. And yeah, yeah. And the good yeah. news, the good news, you know, you always thought was well, at least there's good news, right? And the good news was is it was there was no there was no evidence of disease in, inside the bladder or anywhere else in the urinary system. So yeah. it really was That's let's good. remove the organ. Yeah. Um and um and then go from there. So um I understand you did a bunch of research. Tell us what kind of research you were doing, uh, you know, what you were trying to figure out. Was it like before your first doctor visit, after, and then some of the lessons you learned during that process of trying to learn more about your condition. I mean, Google is so powerful out there, right? You can hop on Google and, and Google anything. You get Google kidney cancer, you get all these results. And, um, you know, early on, I, I, before I had gotten the results from the CT scan, I was, I was banking. I was a betting man and banking. It was on kidney cancer. Um, like Dr. Troy said is, is, um, there's no pain. There's zero pain. And so it, it, I was guessing it was not um, kidney stones is that, you know, and you look on the internet, here's what, here's what blood in your urine could be. And, you know, you scroll down after kidney stones and it's, oh, it could be kidney cancer. And so I was, I was banking on the fact that I had kidney cancer. And um, after I got it, after I was diagnosed, a good friend of mine recommended, hey, have a good source of truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's a million websites on there that can talk to you about kidney cancer and have a good source of truth. So I kept on going to the American uh, Cancer Society um, and, and looking at their website and reading all about, um, you know, diagnosis, treatment, um, uh, care after surgery uh, and all that to, to really discover um, what I should do in prep for surgery um, and what I should expect afterwards. Um, but I stayed off of all those other websites and, and blogs and all that other stuff because I, I just wanted to have a good source of truth. And you didn't want to terrify yourself. I mean, yeah. blood in the urine is scary enough, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, you Google, you Google, I'm a bit tired and terrifying results. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like brain tumor is number one. It's like, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. yeah brain tumor. You know? That's, um, I think that's a great lesson right there. You know, we talk on this podcast a lot about the importance of getting that good information. Um, and just making sure you've got a good source and you went to American cancer society, which I would imagine is pretty super solid. So good yeah. piece, of, good piece of advice there. So, um, I question here. So the wall, like before you got your kidney tumor, how was your health up until that point? How would you describe, were you a fairly healthy guy? I would describe my health as not spectacular, but pretty darn close. Um, you know, I'm not overweight. I'm not a heavy, uh, I was never a heavy smoker. I hadn't smoked in over three decades. Um, didn't drink a lot of alcohol, uh, drank a lot of water, ate healthy. The house here is gluten-free because the house has my kids and, and wife have celiac disease. So I ate a very healthy diet. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would say my health was, 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 you know, four and a half stars out of five. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did it feel like a little bit of a slap in the face then when you're diagnosed with an illness like this or kick in the chest, man. (laughs) And, 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 and I went through this exercise and I'm sure everybody who gets some type of disease like this is, is, is how did I get it? 
how did I get kidney cancer? Yeah. All the, you know, yeah. lung cancers, I could go, oh, well, I was smoked a little bit for 30 years ago. Uh, you know, I smoked some cigars, you know, liver. Oh, I did drink. I didn't drink a lot, but, but kidney cancer, how, how, yeah. and, you know, and that's one of the things I Googled, right? How do you get kidney, how do I get kidney yeah. cancer? And, mm. and they're like, ah, who knows? Right. Was well, um, that what you came up with? Who knows? Or is it hereditary? Or maybe Troy could even jump in at this point and explain uh, kidney cancer. Cause that is a great question. Like, how do you get yeah. that? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a genetic component to it. I will say that smoking is a risk factor for kidney cancer. You know, you hadn't smoked in 30 years. I can't say if it had anything to do with your cancer, uh, but it is a risk factor. Um, you know, beyond that, who knows? And, and I have to qualify that by saying I'm not a urologist. I'm not an expert on kidney cancer, but uh, but certainly genetic component. There is a component with smoking as well that I'm aware of. Hmm. Okay. Is that what you it, learned too, it, Wall? It, and and I did get I did get genetic testing and okay. and discovered that 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 there was no evidence of the genetic. There was nothing there. Yeah, nothing. There. Luck of the draw, huh? Yeah. Or I mean, yeah. I guess Bad I guess luck. also, yeah. Troy. It's like we don't know what we don't know, right? There there could be risk factors. We just don't know what they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? You know, and I'm I I think most cancers we have no idea why people got them. There are no ri- identifiable risk factors. There are no you know, clear genetic markers for those cancers. So I, I think in so many cases you get cancer and you don't know why. And the reality is over the course of our lifetimes, half of us are going to get cancer. That's just the simple fact of growing old. And the fact that we don't die of heart attacks. Now we get older than people did 40, 50 years ago. And mm. eventually half of us are going to get cancer. So as difficult as it was hearing the news and going through that process, I understand that the recovery from the kidney surgery was pretty brutal. Oh my goodness. And you learned, you learned some lessons uh, about life and, and just kind of being a person. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I'd say, I'd say first, um, first, like the physical things is um, probably the most, difficult couple days of my life was several days post-surgery is um my my I was having a tough time having my bladder relax and I was having a tough time having my bowels move and and I was you know clogged up both ways for a couple days and just just couldn't get anything working again and and you know I, I I finally had reached out to um some of the physicians and and got some um, drugs to kind of help with that. And, and, you know, once eventually things started working again and, but I'd say those were physically, that was probably the most difficult couple of days of my life. Um, and then it's, it's, it's the mental health things, you know, going from four and a half stars physically to, you know, two, um, it was emasculating. Um, it was, it was really emasculating. I had to hire somebody to do some electrical work in my house and, and I knew what was wrong. I knew how to fix it. I just, I couldn't physically do it. Um, and I had to hire somebody to cut my grass after my son went away to college and I I can cut my grass. I know how to cut my own grass. And it was just, I couldn't help around the house. I couldn't help my wife do things. I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. It was, it was just, uh, kick in the chest, emasculating to got to go, no, I need to take it slow. I can't 
run places. I can't walk fast. Um, you know, my first, my first uh, job out of college, I was living in New York and I learned to work, walk like a New Yorker. I can't, <laughs> can't do that anymore. Right. Can't do that at all. And, um, it was just, it was tough to kind of come to terms with this is who I am now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's okay. And, and there's days, um, and still days where I wake up and go, I'm alive today. And that's a good thing. And so let's start at that basis point is, is, is I'm alive today. So let's start there. Yeah. I mean, I hear you tell that story and it's just really easy for me to go, come on, man, you just had a, you had your kidney removed, like, (laughs) so what you can't mow your lawn, but, but I don't want to discount how that impacted you. Why do you think that impacted you in, in that way? Like, I don't know that I would feel emasculated because of that. I'd be like, wow, I'm still alive. You know, give me a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a couple of things. It's first, they said six to eight weeks, your recovery, six to eight weeks. Right. And so you think, oh, in eight weeks, flip a switch. I'm fine. No, that's really not, you know, it's, it's, it's probably there is the wound uh, was healed up in, in six weeks, but you know, I, I, I didn't come back to work full time. I was, I was working half time and, and I just thought, um, I'm Wallazello. I can bounce back from this. You know, and and I could take the world by the, the bull by the horns again, and 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 be fine. Um, you know, because that's what guys do, right? We we cut our own grass. We do these things, and now now I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to give yourself a little bit more grace nowadays? Yeah, you know, and that's what it is. Is is it's giving my grace, giving myself grace, and going. You know, it's okay. It's okay if 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 the if only the back lawn gets cut today and the front lawn gets cut tomorrow. Um, it's okay if, if something goes around the house on not fixed. Um, it's okay if I'm 80% today. It's okay if I spend the evening on the couch because that's all I can do. Yeah. And you don't associate with that as being less of a person anymore. <laughs> I no, hope. no, but yeah. it was so easy to uh, right after the surgery for a while. Because um, after the surgery, I also got immunotherapy. Um, so, you know, I struggled from about, I had the surgery first week of December and I probably struggled, uh, physically through at least June, July of the following year. Um, just cause of all the other treatments and stuff I was getting. Um, but yeah, eventually I had to give myself grace. Did you come to that on your own or did you have to get some professional uh, mental help? I, I got some help through, you know, I, I went to um, the cancer center, uh, the James at the Ohio State University. I got to put that V in, right? Yeah. Um, and and I'm sure a lot of um, uh, large cancer centers have this where they, they have a, a, a kind of broad services. Is, is they treated, uh, they set me up with some counseling to get as well. Um, and it helped. It helped. Um but uh, I'm uh, I'm also very critical of myself, mm-hmm. um, and 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 put a lot on my own shoulders, and and it was a a constant reminder to myself that I had to give myself grace. Um, so yeah, I I think one thing you said that really hit home to me is so many days you would just wake up and just be like, hey, I'm just grateful to be alive today. It sounds like in a lot of ways it kind of refocused. You know, number one, you had to kind of take a step back, lower your expectations in terms of what you were expecting of yourself, but also very, really got you focused on just the kind of the basics that you were grateful for. 
Yeah, and uh, having been someone who has also had to go through a bunch of surgeries with my, you know, urinary system, et cetera, that takes a long time to heal, like, I can't imagine that long. I mean, the longest I've had to be down was three weeks, and that was just, I I couldn't do things, right? I had to have people come and help me and things, and that was really, really tough. I can't even imagine if it was that much longer. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a struggle. So while, uh, I understand that it's been two years since, um, was it two years since the first symptoms or since the surgery? Yeah, two, about two years since the first symptoms, yeah. Yeah, and um, I understand that you've been told you're in remission, but you still get tested and it could still come back. Is that the case? Yeah, so um, this was probably the scary moment is, um, you know, like I said earlier, I was, you know, always focused on what's next, what's next, how do we take care of this? How do we get this, get this done? And, and so, you know, the symptoms came, they said, okay, we got to remove the kidney. All right, cool. We remove the kidney. What's next? Okay. We got to let you heal. Okay, cool. Uh, what's next? Okay. We're going to do a CT scan to check to make sure everything's okay. Good. All right. What are we going to do next? We're going to do immunotherapy. All right, cool. We're going to do immunotherapy. Um, the immunotherapy, uh, fried my thyroid, um, and then started attacking my liver. And so they're like, okay, we're going to stop the immunotherapy. Um, and then they said, okay, now we're done with the immunotherapy. We're, all we're going to do now is surveillance. Oh, surveillance. What's surveillance? Right. You're like scary <laughs> word. Yeah. I would imagine at this point you were thinking like you were, you were thinking we're going to reach an end here. We're going to reach a yeah. Yeah. finish line. We're done. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. But exactly, no, right. Where's the bell? Where's the bell I get to ring now? Oh, right. Right. Yeah. right? And so they're going to like, we're going to do surveillance. We're going to check every six months to do the CT scan um, to see if it comes back. And I'm like, oh. wait, whoa, 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 what? Huh. If it comes back? And they're like, yeah. Uh, and it, if it comes back, it's probably going to be the next two years or so. So we're going to surveillance for the next two years. And and that was the mental kick in the chest, right? Is is I started, you know, with all this rumination of, of, oh my God, what if it comes back? What if it comes back? What if it comes back? And, you know, the six month period comes around with the CT scans and what if it comes back? What if it comes back? And, um, and so, you know, I'm in this dark place and ruminating like this. And one day out of the blue, it hits me is, is, is okay. If it does come back, what would I do? And I'm like, well, I, I try to live my life to the fullest and try to suck every last moment of life and uh, sure. uh, all the blood of the, out of the proverbial turnip that I can. Right. And I'm like, well, why don't I just do that now? What? Why don't yeah. I, instead of waiting for the news that waiting for the news, yeah. right? why don't I just, why don't, why don't I just live my life that way now? <laughs> right. Yeah. And if it comes back or not, big deal. But at least I'm trying mm-hmm. to live my life as much as, as the fullest as much as I can now. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's what I try to do. And some days it's easy and some days it's hard, but I, I try to enjoy life now as much as I can rather than ruminate whether or not it's going to go away. And mm-hmm. what does, what does that look like? What is wall? not enjoying life versus wall deciding he's going to enjoy life to the fullest look like, like that, that looks like, that looks like me talking to my friends more often. That looks like me going for walks. That looks like me, um, hanging out with my wife and holding her hand on the couch. Uh, you know, that looks like me going to the coffee shop every morning and enjoying coffee with my coffee shop buddies. Um, 
that's what it looks like. That looks like, you know, um, going ahead and eat, un- eating the unhealthy stuff sometimes. Just <laughs> yeah, you want to enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that looks like splurging and, and going to that rock concert you want to go to. And, and, and rather than just sitting in bed curled in, in, a, in, a, in a ball going, what if it comes back? That's what it looks like. You know, I think because we've talked to a few people who have who have gone through, you know, obviously not kidney cancer, but similar experiences, whether it's cancer, heart attacks, things like that. And I think oftentimes, you know, we sort of live with this sense of dread of, well, when is that going to happen to me? If or when and how will I react? But I really like how, you know, number one, you've been through that, but then you always have that out there. What if it comes back? But you know, just, just the way that you said, I live my life now, like I would live my life if I got that news. And, you know, hopefully we can all kind of do that same thing where it's, it's not so much, well, what would I do if it happened? Well, I'm doing it now. I'm living my life to the fullest. I'm appreciating the people I'm with. And that's what I would do if that happened to me. And if I got that news. So I think that's, that's a really powerful lesson. And, um, you know, hopefully something personally, I hope I can do more of. Yeah. And I guess for me too, that kind of outlook, like on the flip side, I guess, cause you know, I'm, I'm a little bit younger and so on. And it's just there, it seems like there's always more time to get healthier, right? There's always a future. There's always like, ah, I'll start enjoying things or getting things figured out about my health later. And so I don't know, not just enjoying yourself, but also realizing and taking like appreciating what I have now, you know, because there might come a day where something happens and it, I, I'm not, you know, four out of five stars or three stars in my place. You know, I'm not at that three star mark. Right. So like, what can we do to, you know, start living, you know, I like that a lot. Yeah. I think my takeaway is that if I ever pee blood, I'm going <laughs> to show my wife, but I'm going to say, I'll, t- I'll take care of it tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, because <laughs> I've learned apparently you can do that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing I'm afraid of with that philosophy, and I don't know how, uh, like, I feel like I could do that for a little bit, but then I feel like I kind of would regress back into my old self wall. How have you prevented that from happening? I keep on telling myself that, you know, every time the, the dark voice starts throwing up in my head is I silence it, you know, and I tell them, shut up. Right. And, and, and here's the other thing too, is, is in a weird kind of way, I, I use surviving kidney cancer and surviving this episode is, is a way to conquer the world. Right. Is, is, something else bad happens in my life. I'm like, I survived kidney cancer. I can, right. I yeah. can, I can take on anything else in the world. Right. Um, you know, is, is, is it's almost like it's, it's, it's a weird chip on my shoulder that I got now is I can survive that. I can do anything. I can do anything. That's interesting. Yeah. Something that was initially so emasculating then becomes yeah. very empowering. And yeah, you know, you went through that, you came out. Okay. You know, everything else kind of pales in comparison. So, yeah. Well, I think um, your story is going to help guys, whether they're going through something similar to what you went through. You know, we can take away those lessons without hopefully needing to go through what you, you kind of sacrificed yourself, if you will. So hopefully yeah. we can learn yeah. some lessons that, you know, we don't have to learn the hard way by going through a major health crisis like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to, you know, do you have a piece of advice? Do you have a final thought? Something, you know, for a listener that's made it this far through the podcast? 
um, that you'd like to leave somebody with? Yeah, I'd like to leave you with is is seek help. You know, don't don't do this guy thing where, oh, I pee blood. I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine. I don't need to go see a doctor. I I hurt my back. I don't need to see a doctor. I did this. No, don't do that guy thing where it's all going to be okay. And I don't need to go see a doctor about it. Go seek help. Yeah. Um, you know, you're struggling with something mentally. Talk to your guy friends. There's nothing wrong with telling one of your guy friends, hey, I'm struggling with this, you know, and uh, get help. Don't don't be that dude that that isolates yourself from everything else. Get some help. Yep. Get the help and then also be willing to take help like you had to learn the hard way during the recovery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. It's asking for help. You know, that can be hard as well. Yeah. Ask for help and receive help. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being on the program. If you have had a similar experience and you'd like to share it with us here on the Who Cares About Men's Health podcast or have any comments about today's episode or Wall story, you can email us hello at thescoperadio.com. That's hello at thescoperadio.com. Wall, uh, we wish you continued health. Every six months, we're going to be thinking about you. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You guys take care.